Hello and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM podcast. This is the Wednesday edition of the show and as always it is your host Nick Zarars and we are here to unpack that very, very slow, methodical, trotting, uneventful Montreal Canadiens and Vegas Golden Knights game number five of their best of seven series in what is the Western Conference final, even though that's not technically the Western Conference because of this weird divisional alignment this year. But before I get to the fun part of the show, I will give the quick plug because, you know, we, we got to take care of business around here. So, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, any of those platforms, throw the show a follow button, please. Follow, follow, follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it's the subscribe button. Hit the subscribe button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you have an added burden, please go to the show's page. Scroll all the way to the bottom. There's going to be five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. That is leaving a five-star review. That helps me out. That helps the show chart. If the show charts, more people are able to find it. It's easier for me to get better guests. The higher the show charts. If you have an extra second, beneath those five purple stars is a button. It has write a review in purple letters. Hit that. Leave a couple words of encouragement. If you think I'm a dumbass, let me know. Any type of engagement with my content is nice do appreciate it blog went up on tuesday going over the rosters of the islanders and the lightning a little bit about where those teams get their talent from how much they spend on it if they're efficient with their spending how realistic their plan was coming into the season to be competitive part two of that series will be dropping on wednesday at some point depending on when it can get to it it'll be going over the same exact thing in the montreal and vegas series going to be looking at those rosters where they got those players interestingly enough both of these teams most of their roster comes from the trade market and you know we you would expect something like that from vegas because they're an expansion team and only four years old but Montreal, man. Mark Bergevin. That guy never hangs up the phone. He's wearing flashy suits. He's making trades for the sake of making trades. He's taking bold-faced risks. And before I get to the show, it is worth mentioning that during before the game on Tuesday night, it was announced that Lou Lamarillo of the New York Islanders won the award for Hockey Executive of the Year. And really quickly, I think that's kind of ridiculous being that his most significant roster move in the offseason was trading Devontae's as because he couldn't afford to retain him because the Islanders are giving Leo Kamarov, Ross Johnston, and Thomas Hickey money to just kind of take up space. If you were to not have those three guys on the roster, you would have the five-ish million that Taze would want for a multi-year deal. But what do I know? I'm just a guy with some internet resources and watches as much hockey as humanly possible. The hockey writers seem to know what they're doing. They say they know what they're doing. They say they take voting for awards seriously, even though the results don't show that. Because being realistic here, Barry Trotz deserves a lot more credit for the the Islander success than Lou Lamarillo. He hasn't done much. He traded for Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. He traded a first-round pick for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak. Terrific. Any GM can make the, you know, trade the first-round pick for a rental at the trade deadline. Those aren't exactly rocket science moves. 
Trot's getting this team, this Islanders team, with this assortment of talent to a Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals consecutive years in a row. That's impressive to me. Not old balls Lou limping his way through a season, trading for average guys that were on a team he was previously the GM of. I don't want to rant about this. I get too mad about the NHL awards. At this point, I got to treat them like NHL.com player ranking lists. They are meaningless. They really are meaningless, unfortunately, because of the people who vote for them and their narrow-minded views on things. And it just it's, it's very frustrating as someone who puts as much work into their work as I do to see people who phone it in get to vote on these awards and just vo- vote out of their ass and for people they like as opposed to what actually happened. All of that said, I will see you guys in one second. We're going to talk about Game 5 between Vegas and Montreal. Back pass intercepted by Stone. With Chandler Stevenson turns it over. It's a breakaway. Eric Perryfield. Here's Perry across. Scores! Cole Caulfield. Power play goal. And with that, I will get on into it like... I did for Game 5 between the Lightning and Islanders. I took notes. I took notes down like I was covering the game, questions I would have asked, that kind of thing, and tried to think about this, how I would write the game story and what my narrative would be. And the thing that jumped out to me the most was how different the first two periods were from the third period. In the first two periods... The Golden Knights could not get through the neutral zone with any speed whatsoever. And we're talking about a team in the Golden Knights that that's been their M.O. since they entered the league back in the 2017-2018 season. They are a team that thrives on playing with pace and creating a high number of scoring chances because they are going up and down the ice so frequently. And even more so on top of that, this is a team that usually comes in waves that once they get engaged because the puck is in the offensive zone, they're going to be in your zone for 30, 40 seconds at a time, even if they're not creating a scoring chance. They're cycling along the boards. They're letting their defensemen come down into the play. They're having a forward cover up at the point so that there's no odd man rush going the other way. And Vegas just could not get anything going in the offensive zone for the first two periods, more or less. And it's really interesting to me that all three of Montreal's goals came off of rush scoring attempts that they were created they were scored within five six seconds of entering the offensive zone you have that first goal of the game that Kota Kiemi scores because Marc-Andre Fleury never gets back in position after the initial Josh Anderson scoring opportunity I and from there it was kind of you you felt all of the oxygen leave the room in that game. And as someone who's been at a few playoff games in close series like this, where whoever scores that first goal gets the momentum. And yes, I know I hate talking about momentum because it's not something you can interpret or quantify except by watching it in that moment. But from that moment, you knew it was going to be an uphill battle because Vegas has had such a hard time scoring in this series. And it's in part because, yes, Carey Price is playing very well, but it's also they're just not getting good scoring chances, and they're just kind of flinging the puck at the net and hoping something happens. And after that first goal, the Kotsukiemi goal, which happens 
mostly because of a good breakout pass in the off- in the defensive zone, rather, that gets through very fast. I believe it was Paul Byron who sprung Josh Anderson originally, and then Kotsukami cleaned up the rebound. From there, you're looking at one nothing. You say, okay, if Vegas scores next, they can still do this. If they get it to 1-1, they can survive. They can try and win another game 2-1 or 3-2 like they did in game four, which was an ugly one, but they survived. And unfortunately for them, they got caught again. This time, though, it was a rush opportunity, but the puck was in the corner where someone entering the offensive zone skated in, and... They had the puck in the bottom left corner, bottom left corner of the ice. If you're watching on TV, going left to right, bottom left corner, and Vegas just let the cross seam pass go through the middle, and Eric Stahl just walked into the high slot between the two circles, and ripped one past Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury didn't really have a chance because he had to respect the cross ice pass, and by the time the puck was on Stahl's stick, Fleury was still adjusting to the shot, and. Stahl, for as old as he is, he's been pretty solid for the Habs in these playoffs. And I don't want to say there was nothing Flurry could have done because he could have made the save, but that's a tough save to ask of your goaltender in that situation. That's a really, really dangerous scoring opportunity there. I mean, ref- looking back on it, I pulled it up real quick before I started recording. I mean, 9% chance of resulting in a goal, that's a pretty reasonably dangerous scoring chance, especially considering... There's nobody in front of the shooter, and the goaltender has to protect the entire net, and Stahl could make a move as opposed to one-timing the puck like he did. And Fleury just didn't have a chance on that. And then at 2 nothing, the all of the oxygen in the building is gone at that point. You feel like you don't have a chance in hell because you know you're going to need to score three straight goals without conceding one more. And the way Montreal plays makes it extremely difficult when you're chasing goals because they bleed so much time off of the clock. They do a a version of what the Islanders did to the Bruins, especially well in their last series, where every single time the Canadians cross the red line in the neutral zone, that puck is going in deep below the goal line, and even if Vegas recovers it and breaks out, they're wasting 30 seconds each time that happens because it's about five and a half seconds, 10 seconds for the puck to get down below the goal line, the defenseman to retrieve it, and that's if they retrieve it cleanly. There's also those situations where the Canadians would get in there with those defensemen who are trying to play the puck out of the corner, and then you drag out that puck battle. Even if it's only another five, ten seconds, you've slowed down their transition. If Vegas has to change, they're going to hold the puck behind the net more. And all of those little 30-second pockets add up. And yes, Vegas made a very valiant push in that third period. And at one point, I thought they might be able to get it to 3-2. to two, But they didn't really ever... The one good chance they had, Riley Smith kind of flubbed and pushed into Carey Price's pad. And even if Price had made a save, it looked like it was probably going to go wide of the net anyway because it was coming from such a sharp angle where the puck was coming across the crease and Riley Smith was to the right of Price. And he pushed it a little bit wide and it probably would have ended up going outside of the net and it would that was probably their best chance I mean Petrangelo had a couple of looks from the high slot but you know Montreal's collapsing down at that point they're not going to give you anything they're not giving you a clear shooting lane to shoot through and it's one of the things Montreal's done in this series is in particular is they're forcing you to the perimeter and 
some teams have the personnel to break through that and to survive that. We saw Tampa Bay do it particularly well to the Islanders in Game 5 where the Islanders are collapsing down into their box in one where they've got the four guys forming that a loosely shaped rectangle around the high danger area of the net between the two face-off circles and then the net mouth and they're in their box and then the furthest forward up the ice F1 is pressuring whoever has the puck at the point and then the box shifts to whatever direction once the puck goes below the face-off dots the defenseman and the forward on that side of the ice are going to go towards the puck. Montreal does a version of that where it's not as rigid as the Islanders version of that is but the Lightning were able to beat it a few ways. I mean, yes, it helped that they got a lot of chances off of the rush in Game 5, and those rush chances are more dangerous because they're coming when the goaltender is moving. They are coming when the defenders are being pressured as opposed to being set up in the zone. And that's where Montreal really, really excellent game plan tonight because you knew Vegas needs that tempo. Vegas is one of the highest tempo teams in the league in terms of the number of scoring chances they create per 60 at 5-on-5, and that's their bread and butter. They're going to go for a lot of quantity and hope that because they're creating so much quantity, over time they're going to get a few more dangerous ones, and that's going to add up over time. That is the hope in playing the game with such a high tempo. And I know I wrote about this early in the season, when the Rangers were still kind of playing like they had in 2019-2020, where they were playing at an extremely fast pace, a lot of carries into the offensive zone, not dumpins, carry-ins, looking to pass the puck across the net mouth, those cross-seam passes that Steve Valacat always talks about on the MSG Network intermissions and pregames, where you're making the goalie move left to right, and those are the most valuable chances because the goalie is moving. And when the goalie is moving, weird things can happen if the puck hits something something on the way there and that's not including if you know you just get the puck to your teammate in that good area of the ice and they can still rip it and for Vegas they have been a rush-based offense since Gerard Gallant was hired and they became a team in that 2017-2018 season and in the playoffs and against stiffer defenses rush-based offenses have a hard time you saw what Colorado, what happened to Colorado against Vegas. Yes, Colorado was in that series, had every chance to win it, but in the games that Vegas won, they were controlling the tempo and they were forcing Colorado to grind out offense. And typically, Vegas has been pretty good when they've had to grind out offense, especially in the regular season where you, when you think about Vegas, you're thinking about Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alex Talk. Bradley Smith, uh, Chandler Stevenson, all these guys I'm naming, you're thinking about them. These are bigger individuals, big bodies. They can play along the boards. They can win puck battles. They can keep cycles going where even if they're not getting the puck to the middle of the ice for scoring opportunities, they're still in control of it, which is what you really need in, in the long course of a game. And while these playoffs have kind of been uh, living proof that, you know, puck possession doesn't always result in goals, I've seen that especially be the case in this Vegas series. But even then, the tide has kind of turned where Montreal has won the puck possession battle for the last two games now, where Montreal is finishing with more expected goals, even if Vegas is finishing with more total scoring chances. 
Montreal's winning that expected goals battle because they're getting the puck to dangerous areas. And like I said, all three of the goals tonight for Montreal came off of the rush. You have the Kota Kiemi goal that is directly off of a rush attempt. It's a rebound put in, but the goalie out of position. I think Flurry would like to, of the three he conceded, I think Flurry would like to have that one back the most because if he just gets back to his skates, after the initial scoring opportunity, he probably has a really good chance of making the save on Kota Kiemi's scoring attempt. But that's how that happens. Sometimes you just, it's unlucky. Flurry didn't know where the puck was, so he assumed it careened in the direction of the guy who took the scoring attempt as opposed to the opposite direction. And Kota Kiemi had an open net to put it in. The stall goal, like I said, the puck is in the corner. The Vegas defensemen are looking at the puck. They're not tracking the forwards, bleeding into the zone behind the play. Stall, wide open, easy talk. And then the last one, neutral zone breakup. Vegas turns the puck over in that de- in the neutral zone. Mark Stone loses control of it. It goes the other way. Corey Perry finds Caulfield, and Caulfield beats Marc-Andre Fleury. And those are dangerous scoring attempts that puck is getting to good areas on the ice and that's the thing if you are just throwing pucks at the net like vegas was tonight without a plan without any real pressure if you're just making price make a save when you can see the puck on a routine shot i mean we know carry price is kind of streaky and he doesn't really always have it come the regular season but when it comes to the postseason he's traditionally been a lot better and that that's been the case this year prices price has been pretty damn good for them but montreal i don't want to say they've lucked out because you know they've beaten teams better than them and you know luck is always a part of any postseason run even good teams require luck even the tampa bays the vegas of the world require luck to get to where they are which i think is something that gets overlooked and that's not making excuses for the teams montreal has beaten or making excuses for vegas any team wins a championship it requires some luck especially in a sport like hockey where the bounces are so weird and it's so fluky sometimes but circling back around to the notes i was taking during the course of the game I really liked what Montreal did in the neutral zone, and I know it's a very hockey nerd thing to harp over transition play because it's not something a lot of people are actively watching, especially when the puck is just kind of up for grabs in the neutral zone, but Montreal made a team that likes to carry the puck into the zone, dump in and get it, and they were just not going to get it, and dump and chase works if you chase the puck. I know I I keep circling back to the Rangers here, but the same thing happened to the Rangers a lot this year where they would dump the puck into the offensive zone and no one would go to get the puck and the other team would just recover it and bring it back the other way. And I the, one of the things I wrote down here, entries with no scoring chances, especially in the first period, Vegas would get the puck into the Montreal end of the ice and then they wouldn't get a scoring chance and then Montreal would just take the puck and go the other direction. And... It's frustrating because Montreal, as good as they've played, I don't think they're this amazingly talented elite defensive team. I mean, they have four defensemen. Let's be honest here. They're only playing Edmondson, Petrie, Shea Weber, and um, Ben Sherratt. I mean, at this point in those guys' respective careers, none of those guys is putting the fear of God in you anymore. Shea Weber, like four years ago, five years ago, yeah, I'd say Shea Weber's an elite player. Not anymore. Joel Edmondson is a solid 
second pair guy on a good team. I think Jeff Petrie is a low end first pair defenseman. And then Ben Sherratt, you know, he was a th- you know, third pair guy on the Winnipeg Jets, second pair guy on the Winnipeg Jets. Montreal's got a bunch of okay guys. There's no one on that team that scares you aside from Price, and that's when he feels like being this good. Because let's be honest, in the regular season this year, he was pretty damn bad. I mean, he conceded something like 10, 15 more goals than expected in the regular season. I mean, I can pull this up, actually. I was writing about this earlier as part of my roster preview. Yeah, Price conceded... 8.11 more goals than expected based on where shots against him came from in the regular season. That's pretty bad. That That is actively bad. I mean, not everybody is going to be incredible. Not everyone's going to be the Connor Hellebuck, Andre Vasilevsky, who's saving, you know, 10, 12 goals saved above expected in a regular season. Some years you have a bad year. But since Price signed that extension in 2017, 2018, I believe, He's been pretty bad in terms of goals saved above expectation. And yes, some of that has to do with the team in front of him. Montreal has not been the best team. But again, it's important to note that goals saved above expectation quantifies for the team that's in front of you. And it understands where the scoring chances are coming from. But, 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 my larger point, Montreal is just, they're, they're good. They're not great. They're not elite. They're not amazing at any one thing. They know how to survive that I think is the strongest testament to Montreal's quality as a team they know how to survive you saw it in the series especially against Toronto I mean Vegas has outplayed them in probably two of the five games in the series so far maybe three if you want to be generous but that's just the way hockey is sometimes if you can survive if your goaltender can fill in those margins enough to keep it close, special things can happen. And I'm always leery of a team whose best player is a goaltender because you do have to score more goals than the other team. But Montreal's defense has been outright stifling. And when I say defense, I don't mean just the defensemen. I mean the forwards in particular. I, I've talked about them. I've written about them. That third line of Lekunin, Deneau, and Gallagher is one of the best third lines in the last five years of hockey. When those guys are on the ice, the other team has no room to breathe. They are constantly menacing the puck carrier, forcing them to turn the puck over. And when they have the puck in the offensive zone, they do a great job of cycling the puck and incorporating their defensemen down into the play. And you want to see that from your third and fourth lines. You want them to be able to hold the puck in the offensive zone. You don't want them to just be holding on for dear life. And I know at times Montreal has been holding on for dear life, especially in games one and two of this series where it seemed like Vegas was ready to explode and it just never really came for them. And I do think some of this is a Vegas problem as opposed to Montreal playing particularly well. I know it's been beaten to death now that prior to tonight's game the only the forwards on Vegas had only had three goals coming into tonight's game Nick Waugh had two and Yanmark had one and then tonight Max Pacioretty got one so the Vegas top six has one goal through five games that's not how you draw it up when you think about Vegas during the regular season you think about just how incredibly good the Stone Pacioretty Chandler Stevenson William Carlson, Riley Smith, 
and Jonathan Marshall show were in the regular season. I mean, that's one of the best top sixes in the league. The talent isn't as high end as a Tampa Bay or um, a Toronto or a Colorado, but those guys do such a good job of getting the puck into the offensive zone. If it's below the goal line, their designated puck retriever will go and get it, and then they'll get it to the skill guys. And then you have quality shooters on all of those lines. I know William Carlson's never going to score 40 goals again like he did his first year as a Golden Knight. Mark Stone is one of the best defensive forwards in the league. Had a really rough game tonight. Quite a few turnovers in the neutral zone trying to make things happen. Like I said, his turnover leads directly to the third goal, the Caulfield goal. And I will say, I didn't have a feel coming into this game. I thought Vegas maybe home ice makes a difference tonight, but they just came out flat. And I know I said this about the Islanders yesterday as well, but Vegas from the jump just they didn't look right. They weren't as aggressive on the puck. They weren't getting the puck in deep. And like I said before, they were not getting the puck into areas to score. And when they were getting the puck in the offensive zone, they just weren't doing anything with it. They were in puck battles, but they weren't winning the puck battles. And even if they did, they weren't creating any scoring chances. They must have had six or seven successful zone entries in the first 10 minutes of the game without getting a scoring chance out of it. I mean, it took a solid four minutes for the first shot on goal to be recorded because both teams just couldn't get control of the puck in the um, offensive zone because the other team was stifling them so much. And that's what really sucks for Vegas that the first goal was so ugly that, you know, Anderson gets a nice breakout pass. He streaks past Nick Holden, who kind of lost him in the neutral zone. And then Kotakami gets a juicy rebound to put in because Marc-Andre Fleury was out of position in his crease. And from the get-go, you're playing behind the eight ball. You give up a goal first five, six minutes of a playoff game, all that energy is... All that energy you had in the tunnel juiced up about, wow, we're really about to fucking play this game in front of all these people. Let's go. I'm ready for this. All that adrenaline, that becomes despair and grief very, very quickly. As someone who was at Game 5 and Game 7 of the 2015 Eastern Conference Finals against the Lightning, the Rangers only lost those games 2 to nothing. 2 to nothing might as well have been 30 to nothing the way it felt in those games because... The other team just sucked the life out of the Rangers. And Montreal sucked the life out of Vegas tonight. And Vegas made a decent push in the third period. I know at that point in the game, Montreal was basically turtling and be willing to concede space to let Vegas carry the puck in because they didn't want they didn't want to give up anything dangerous. If Vegas was going to take shots from the point and the perimeter, Montreal was fine with that. And... Well, I do wish, you know, Vegas could have got it to 3-2 to two, just for the sake of compet- competition as a neutral observer of the series who just wants a good series and wants to see good hockey played. I really do wish Vegas could have got it to 3-2 to two, where that first Kotakami goal doesn't happen, so it's 2-1 to one in that third period because Vegas had a hard time tonight, especially in the neutral zone, especially in their own zone. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Evolving Hockey has 14 giveaways for the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, that's not great. 14 turnovers. It does Obviously, it's not broken down where those turnovers took place, but 
I can vividly recall at least four of them being in the neutral zone where as soon as Montreal got the puck, they were going to bleed another 40 seconds off of the clock. And that is one of the key parts of playing with a lead, even if it's only a one-goal lead, is you got to milk time off of the clock. And I know you don't want to think about it like running the ball in football where you take 40 seconds off of the game clock every snap because you're waiting to snap the ball until there's only two seconds left, but that's effectively what you're shooting for here. You want to recover that puck, you want to get it going the other way, and you want to force that team that's trying to score to go behind their own net, regroup, break out, try and get through the neutral zone, gain the offensive zone, get into their structure, set up their play. By the time they've gone from behind their own net, through the zone, neutral zone, and if they carry it in versus dump it in, you know, we're talking about another three to four second differential. Even that's if you can get to the puck cleanly and the other team doesn't just recover it on you. We're talking 35 ish seconds, 40 seconds, if you got a clean puck recovery in the offensive zone before you've even set up. And if you set up, you know, that's another 20, 30 seconds to get maybe two scoring opportunities. And really quickly, you see how these games can kind of snowball on you, even though the deficit is only two. If you are taking 40 seconds just to get set up in the zone after a puck recovery, you know, it's really damn hard to score. Every It's really hard to score when you're constantly chasing the game. And yes, it's obviously easier to play with a lead as opposed to play from behind for that exact reason because you can just dump the puck down, go and get it, slow the pace of the game down, clog up the neutral zone. And yes, Montreal, masterful job, especially in the neutral zone tonight. They always had three guys protecting their own blue line, forcing a team that likes to carry the puck in, which Vegas is, to dump it in, go and get it. And they weren't winning the puck battles like they did in the regular season, which was something else that stood out to me. And I'll, I'll wrap up here, you know, about 30 minutes of podcast today. I, I, I did it yesterday for Game 5 of Islanders Lightning, about 30 minutes. A little bit more to talk about in the game tonight because there was a little bit more strategy and it wasn't, you know, a laugher like Monday night's game between the Lightning and Islanders was, but I'll wrap up with this. No one came into this season thinking Montreal had a particularly talented roster. No one came into these playoffs thinking Montreal had a particularly talented roster. Nobody expected Montreal really to beat the Leafs, in all honesty. And while Montreal does deserve credit for winning these series, winning these games, you can only... You can only play your games. If you win them, then the narrative changes for you. And yes, the regular media, the the talking heads, the sports nets, the TSNs, the the athletics, the national hockey writers, they they they're changing their tune that Montreal is a resilient team that they've survived some difficult challenges that they beat Toronto that they're playing this series right now without their coach Dominic Ducharme who's in quarantine because he tested positive for COVID. Just because a team got hot at the right time does not necessarily mean that team was built well or is playing particularly well. Yes, Montreal played well tonight, but honestly, 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 Montreal has been the better team in their games maybe four games, five games all postseason where they weren't just clinging for their life. I will say, though, in games where Montreal can put it down the other team's throat, they have come out well 
in those games. In Game 7 against Toronto, it never felt like Toronto had a chance in that game. Most of the Winnipeg series, it didn't feel like Winnipeg had a chance in hell. Tonight, it didn't feel like Vegas had a chance at all because they had no structure. They couldn't get through the neutral zone. They couldn't gain the offensive zone. They couldn't create any offense. And by the time they were finally getting some scoring chances, it was 3 to nothing. By the time they were creating any scoring chances with some serious danger, it was already 3 to nothing. And at that point, all right, Vegas, Montreal says, we'll give you a goal. That's fine. You're not scoring two more. We got Carey Price back there. That's where I want to wrap up today's show. Just because a team is playing well, just because a team might... Montreal probably gets to the cup final. I would be very surprised if if Vegas can score enough in a Game 6 and a Game 7 to get to a Stanley Cup final because Vegas had such a hard time creating offense. To Montreal's credit, Montreal's defense has done a good job. And when I say defense, I mean team defense, not necessarily just their defensemen. While their defensemen have played pretty well, I would say their forwards have been, been a difference maker in terms of defense because of that play in the neutral zone and then the defensive zone. I'm going to tie it all up there. I will see you guys tomorrow. We're going to talk Islanders-Lightning Game 6. Maybe a closeout game. Maybe the Islanders play the game of their lives and force a Game 7. Matt Barzell not suspended, which I was a little bit surprised about, but that's a good thing for hockey. Barzell's playing in that game. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I will see you guys tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, go Lightning. Uh, The Islanders were a cute story. It was good. They won a couple of rounds. They got to survive. But, you know, I try and be objective when I'm talking about the Islanders on the pod when I write about them because, you know, I I try to be professional in my obligations. But, God, man, I can't take the Islanders being in the Stanley Cup final. Please don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. All right. I'll see you guys tomorrow.